Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sober Bliss podcast with me, Gail, from Sober Bliss. Today, I am absolutely delighted because I am joined by the wonderful Casey Davidson, and you probably know her from the Hello Someday podcast. So we've got a real treat today for you, a lovely conversation, because we're going to be talking about something which I know is on your minds as we come towards the end of the year and head into New Year. And we're talking about how to make dry January rock, because let's face it, who doesn't want a bit of that in January? So welcome, Casey. I'm so pleased that you're here today. How are you? I'm good. I was just saying it's so nice to meet you. I know. I know. I've wanted to meet you for a while now. So this is so lovely. Um, I'm going to have a great conversation today about making dry January a bit more interesting and lovely and exciting. Yeah, absolutely. But before we get into that, would you mind just introducing yourself, telling our listeners, you know, a little bit about your journey and, and what you do? Yeah, of course. So I live in Seattle, Washington, and I quit drinking eight years ago after being sort of a red wine girl my mm. entire life. I, um, you know, obviously I drank a lot in college. I played rugby in college, wow. um, which is a huge drinking culture. Um okay. Yeah, in my 20s, I sort of went out to bars and, you know, had a lot of fun with, with my boyfriend, now my husband, but then I sort of settled into work and life and dinner parties and the mommy wine culture. And I mm. described myself as a red wine girl in the same way I was like, oh, I have two kids. I've been married to my husband for X number of years I work in tech I'm a red wine girl what you know like that mm -hmm. it yeah. was a big part of my personality and you know like most people it kind of started with a glass of wine or two every single night I kind of thought it was what adults did mm. and over the years it grew to I was a bottle of wine a night drinker sometimes more seven nights a week unless I was trying to moderate or cut back which I never lasted more than four days and then I drink a bottle of wine and then four days so when I stopped drinking, you know, I had been thinking about it for a long time. I had sort of made every rule about moderating and had not been able to stick to it. I didn't have a big bottom. No one told me I should stop drinking, which looking back, I'm kind of amazed at. <laughs> Um, yeah. My husband never said anything to me, but it was mm. the death of a thousand cuts, lots of 3am wake ups. I hated putting on eyeliner and seeing my bloodshot eyes. Yeah. I hated sort of the anxiety I felt, uh, you know, falling asleep on the couch, which I put in quotes because I would pass out and mm -hmm. my husband couldn't wake me up and just feeling defensive and irritated and talking horribly to myself in the morning yeah. and knowing that I needed to not drink and yet quitting on myself all the time. So 
Mm. I finally, I hired a sober coach, which is what I do now. I joined an online group and an online course, and I started with a hundred day challenge and I just kept extending Mm. it because I felt so much better. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's so powerful. Um, And I can relate to what you said about, you know, being unkind and saying horrible things to ourselves, quitting on ourselves. I really like that Um, because it is what we do, isn't it? Um, When really, I think kindness is is the way to go. Um, So just describe, if you can, in what way do you feel so much better now that you're you know, eight years in, this is amazing. Well, one of the things I needed to shift was the way I viewed not drinking. Mm -hmm. I had for a long time seen it as a punishment. Like I was a teenager who was grounded or lost my privileges and I needed to shift it to a place of curiosity Mm. and excitement. And, you know, I knew what my life looked like drinking. I had no idea what it might look like if I actually stopped, how I could feel, what I might do, um, how my relationships would change, all of those things. So when I stopped drinking, um, I needed it to be a challenge. I needed to tell everyone because Mm -hmm. I was a daily drinker. There literally was no one who would not notice that I was not having wine at a bar or at a restaurant or a girl's night. Mm. And the first two weeks were really hard. Um, Mm. I think that that's important to acknowledge, meaning I was very tired. I craved a drink. I was terrified of not being able to sleep through the night because I was so tired from looking back drinking and not sleeping well in years, but I was very scared of how I would get through the day with two little kids and a big job and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, And so I really needed to lower the bar. I needed to try to go to bed early. I needed to not stay up late in my living room, because that's when I was used to drinking, Um, I needed to eat something with protein at like 4pm. So I didn't get home starving and have willpower Mm. at the lowest point. And then I did start to feel better. And I hadn't gotten past day four. So on day 12, was the first night I had incredible sleep. And I can't tell you how good that felt. Um, on day 20, I was just so proud of myself. I just couldn't believe that I had made it to three full weeks. The next day, I, um, you know, I just, it wasn't as hard as it used to be. Looking back, I realized I did the exact same, the hardest part over and over and over again. I never allowed myself to get further. Yeah. Um, I looked a lot better. I didn't, you know, forget about weight loss, although I did lose weight. Not everyone does. Um, My face was less puffy. My eyes were brighter. Mm. And I, 
my big worry that was that I would be boring. That was my big worry. Mm -hmm. And at 30 days, I asked my husband, I said, have you noticed anything different about our life when I'm not drinking? And I thought he'd be like, well, it's not as fun on the weekends or whatever. He said, our home just felt a lot more peaceful. It was less me coming home irritated and sort of outraged at whatever thing had happened at work that day or stressed out. Mm. And I was less irritated and frenzied in the morning. And I was also sometimes very defensive and quiet in the morning. He'd be like, so how are you feeling? And I'd be like, what? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just busy, you know? (laughs) And he was just like, it's a lot more even and peaceful. And I thought he would think more negative things about me. He was also really proud of me. Mm, Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. It's so wonderfully calming and soothing and reassuring because I do think that from my experience as well, it was the thought of not drinking that put me off. You know, like you said, how am I going to cope with two little kids and a big job? I was the same. How am I going to cope with a Wednesday or or a weekend? You know, who does that when they don't drink? And it was yeah. all of the, you know, the ifs and the buts and 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 the unknown. Um, but it sounds like as you made your way through the days and the weeks and the months, that you know everything just kind of fell into place. And I love the sense of peace and, and calm that you talk about. You know what? I also, I remember I was in a morning boot camp group that I had been in while drinking. And I have to tell you, there literally is no worse feeling than doing burpees (laughs) with a bottle of wine and a pounding head, you know, a bottle of wine in your belly still. Mm. Um, It was almost a form of self-punishment or trying to even out what I was drinking. Mm. I remember running we had sort of a timed mile at 5 30 in the morning because that's when it was when I was 10 days sober and I remember running and being like I am doing this I was so slow I am doing this (laughs) I am here I am proud of myself and then thinking in my head and I haven't had a drink in 10 days and that to me was just like you know goosebumps which is so weird, not weird, but incredible. And then at two months, I remember it only because it was my son's birthday. Mm. He was turning eight and I, it was in April and I ran a 10 K first 10 K in God, a decade. And I went by myself. I, it was his birthday morning. I, you know, it was raining in Seattle. I ran it by myself. And when I crossed the finish line, I was just almost in tears. And I was just thinking, I am now a person who does what I say I'm going to do. And it was, that's everything. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is. Wow, Casey, I love that. I love that. Thank you. That's so powerful and inspiring I think it's important to talk about these things because and we're going to talk about this a little bit more I think you know sobriety and not drinking 
even now with all the wonderful people who talk about it, I still think it doesn't get the best press and publicity. So any kind of positive emotions, any positive experiences that we can bring to it and share with people, because on the whole, it is so much more positive than than we think it, it's going to be. That's yeah. really important and, and inspiring. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today, because um, Dry January is is coming up, and it is it a big thing in America? Is it is in in the UK? It is huge, it's and huge. I love that. I love mm. that. So, I think twenty to twenty five percent of American adults take part in Dry January, and it's growing wow. year mm. over year. I mean, the interest is surging, and. What I love most is that mainstream media is covering it. So if I look at just last year, the New York Times, Vogue, Mm. Self Magazine, the Washington Post, the Today Show, which is our huge morning show, Mm. they're all writing about this in a, so you're going to do dry January or is the sober curious here to stay? I remember there was an article in Vogue UK that was like, has everybody stopped drinking? And it's talking about the author saying all her former cocktailers in arms have stopped drinking for sensible reasons, like saving their marriage or, you know, like saving money or taking care of their kids or whatever their health. Mm. So it really is mainstream. And it's also now a very common New Year's resolution. Yeah. Yes, it is. I know it's huge where you are as well, right? Mm. It started in the UK. It did, yeah. Um, I personally had never really done one. Um, I just... How long ago did you stop drinking? I stopped drinking in 2018, so just over five and a half years. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, And I'd... I'd never done a dry January, I'd never done a sober October or dry July or dry, what's it, sober September. Um, I think I thought about it and maybe did a couple of days, but that was as, as far as it went. Did you ever do dry January? Um, I tried. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a lot of New Year's resolutions. Dry January was not as huge eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And I also stopped for about four months, 10 years, actually 11 now, which is insane. I stopped for four months when I was really anxious and worried about my drinking and, you know, just unable to sort out whether the issue was my job or my husband or whatever. But 11 years ago, it wasn't a thing. So mm-hmm. I think the sober curious movement um, and mindful drinking in dry January has really transformed the conversation yeah. where it wasn't before. But I I mean, for a decade, my New Year's resolution was like, get a handle on my drinking, drink mm-hmm. less, um, you know, yeah. only drink whatever it was, two drinks a na- night, only when I'm out, only when I'm home, only on the weekends, forget it, didn't work. Yeah, yeah, I know. And do you think it was because you at the beginning of the conversation you mentioned that you shifted the perception of sobriety, you shifted what yes. you you thought it was gonna be and how you approached it, I suppose. Um, do you think that it 
that mindset shift, that attitude that made it so powerful this time as opposed to in the past? I think it was a combination. Yes, it was shifting my perspective, but more than that, it was getting support. And, you know, I hired a sober coach when I was 60 days sober, I joined a group in an online course. It was actually with Holly Whitaker Mm. back in the day, way before she wrote quit like a woman, there were a hundred of us in a group with her where she coached twice a week for Mm. eight weeks. Um, And I think getting support and a plan to follow and not doing this all alone, trying to do it with willpower Mm -hmm. was a huge shift and also taking it in increments, which is why I love dry January. Now, I think there are, are in order to, you know, we're going to talk about how to do dry January, right. Or how to rock it. Yeah. Um, I personally always suggest a longer period of time without alcohol trying Mm. for a hundred days. And the reason is that here's how not to rock dry January Yeah. to combine it with a weight loss or health kick initiative. Like that is a huge mistake that women make. And it's one I made for years. Mm. And the reason is that when you stop drinking, you are going to need to comfort yourself and to replace the reward of alcohol with another reward. You are going to crave sugar. And Mm -hmm. that is because first it gives you a very similar dopamine hit that alcohol gives you. It spikes it, but not as much. And that's important Two, There's a lot of alcohol in sugar, um, depending on what you drink. Just, I used to always pride myself on not having a sweet tooth, except I was drinking a bottle of wine a night. You know what I mean? (laughs) And which is ridiculous. Um, But there is a lot of sugar and alcohol. So you Mm. you don't want, and you need to eat protein. Hunger, you know, hunger, anger, loneliness, tired, also boredom, that HALT acronym Mm. are big triggers. Hunger is the biggest one. So I highly recommend, you know, a protein snack around 4 p.m. So you're not Mm. going into the witching hour hungry. Yeah. But if you, and also the first two weeks, you're really tired. You just mm-hmm. are, your body is physically recovering. So a lot of people do, okay, I'm going to work out five days a week. I'm going to only eat salads or cut out carbs or no sugar. And I'm going to stop drinking. I did this too. You get five days or two weeks or three weeks in, and you're like, I am miserable. Mm-hmm. I hate this. This is too hard. And it's because you're trying to do all the things. So number one, how to rock dry January, just remove alcohol, you know, sort of isolate those variables. Um, Baby yourself in the first two weeks, lower Mm. the bar, truly do be like, all right, if I just don't drink, I get a gold star. I can not work out. I cannot do the dishes. The kids can watch the iPad. And you have to slow down in order to be able to spring forward. And that's okay. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's important. And, and the thing to keep in mind, cause there's so many, um, you know, a lot of people drink a ton during the holidays. I am raising my hand here. I 
you know, don't remember some Christmas Eves and New Year's Eves, um, was hung over so many Christmas mornings. Mm-hmm. But New Year's resolutions sometimes can be, I don't like the way I feel and I don't like the way I look. Remove alcohol, you will look better, regardless of whether you, you know, eat really healthy or work out. You're face will be less bloated. You'll be less bloated overall. Your skin and eyes will be whiter. Mm. You'll have more energy after the first two weeks. So all of that is had a rock dry January. Don't, don't try a diet. You will look amazing regardless, right? Like give yeah. yourself time to heal, yeah. um, lower the bar, replace treats with alcohol, with other treats and plan them in advance. So mm. When you know it's going to be a time where normally, okay, drinking on a Friday night, whether it's a romantic Italian restaurant or by a fireplace or at a movie, we have movies where you can drink here. Um, They bring it to you in your seat, get a pedicure, get a massage, get for me, sushi takeout with a great movie. I had two little kids was, Mm. was awesome reinvest the money you spent drinking on other things that bring you pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Like have a little, I sometimes say, get a little treat jar and you can either, you know, put the money in that you would otherwise be spending on alcohol or write a list of, you know, little treats, fold them up and put them in the jar. So when you're feeling particularly, I don't know, you can use it to celebrate to reward yourself or also if you're feeling a bit down you can pull a little bit of paper out and see what the treat is and go and do that Um, yeah what else do you recommend for dry January I know you you coach people all the time what do you think is important um like you said about babying yourself and slowing down I'm all about making it as lovely as an experience as you possibly can so do all the things that make you feel special you know embrace the you know the whole Scandinavian candles and blankets and socks and hot chocolate and um be a little bit indulgent I think because like you said you don't want to feel miserable or or like we're missing out we want to feel that we're doing an awesome thing because we are so Mm -hmm. if we can show ourselves just how lovely it can feel without alcohol then I think it makes it more of a pleasurable experience and it also makes it sustainable and then you come to um, have that association between not drinking and still feeling good yes so I definitely yeah baby yourself mother yourself whatever you want to call it but do it I like the idea too when you said you're associating it with feeling good is to notice and write down or capture or vocalize to someone the positive changes you're noticing. We spend so much time romanticizing alcohol. It's important to actually celebrate and romanticize alcohol-free life as well. So, you know, you can sit there and say, 
oh my gosh, waking up on a Saturday morning without a hangover is amazing. Track the money you spend. Mm-hmm. Um, I encourage women because it helped me. I think I think most of us have taken that like awful selfie of yourself when you're hungover to try to shame yourself into yeah. changing. Okay, you have that. Take a selfie of yourself on day seven and day 14 and day 21. Mm. Um, Notice if your anxiety has gone down, typically, you know, alcohol spikes your cortisol within two weeks, that will go down after 30 days, your dopamine levels and your serotonin. So happy hormone and mood regulation Mm. have stabilized. They've been suppressed for years, meaning you're not imagining that you're less happy when you're not drinking. It's because your body wants to regulate your dopamine and you are spiking it off the chart. So your Mm. body's regulating it down. You're less happy than you would be without alcohol. So at 30 days, you're just scratching the surface on experiencing those benefits. Mm. So that is another reason to keep going after dry January, just to say, wow, I feel this good after 30 days and you will, you'll feel better. Yeah. I want to see what 40 days feels like. I want to see what 50 days feels like you're, you're building the habit of new coping mechanisms and new interests Mm. and new rewards. And it's okay if you can't think of anything else you'd like to do right now, other than drink. Like my, my coach asked me in the beginning, what do you love more than red wine? And sadly, I couldn't think of anything that was standalone more. And I had a very nice life with two beautiful kids and a husband and vacations. But I was like, more? Because I paired drinking with date nights and I paired drinking with hanging out with my friends and the kids, Mm -hmm. or I paired drinking with relaxing at the end of the day. I was like, well, I like working out in the morning without a hangover better than a red wine. Like it was all the the negative consequences were taken away, Mm. but that's because you haven't given yourself a chance. Like you mentioned is hanging out by a fire cuddled up with a good book and a cup of cocoa. Is that enough as drinking? Cause you Mm. probably haven't tried it. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that's so important to try lots of things um or as many things as you can because you're right often we do forget what it is that we actually like to do when we're not drinking because it's been such a long time since um we've done any of those things I often get my people to just start by writing a list um you know, you can sit down and do it in, in one go or you can carry it with you and just jot things down. Oh, yeah, I do quite like doing jigsaw puzzles. Or mm-hmm. when I was younger, I used to love ice skating or climbing the climbing wall or whatever it might be. Um, and just try and get back in touch with 
that part of you that you probably forgotten existed and maybe try one or two things and just see see what it's like because I do think that's an experiment you're 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 getting through the hard part Mm. which is the very beginning which is where I always gave up in order to see who you could be Mm. without it and you know I always say after 100 days the wine will be there. The cocktail will be there. I'm a sober coach. I don't want, you know, I encourage everyone to stay on the alcohol-free path, but I think alcohol is like a magnet. The pull Mm. when you're drinking is really, really strong Mm. and you have to get some distance from it to see clearly the degree to which it has shaped your priorities and your interests and your um the time and money and energy you spend and see wow like for me i was much better at my job with less stress mm-hmm. my life and schedule felt less overwhelming yeah i had felt when i was drinking that i could barely cope with my life and mm-hmm. 2 months in I remember walking into work at 8.30 in the morning, and this was in April in Seattle. It was The weather was not gorgeous. <laughs> and seeing some birds flying above and just thinking, I love my life. And when I was drinking, my most common thought about being at work was, shoot me now. Mm. <laughs> I mean, not literally, but it was just yeah. every extra request or challenge felt like it was going to be the straw that broke the camel's back. And when I was drinking or close to it, I couldn't see clearly the difference in Mm. the way it was, you know, fueling pessimism. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I totally get that. Everything seems such an effort and such hard work and a chore and a pain and really do I have to do that I can't I can't do that I'm so stressed um and it's not until as you say we put that lovely distance between us and our last drink that we do kind of settle down and that calmness and that peace happens doesn't it and all of a sudden like wow you know I'm not stressed at that thing that used to drive me up the wall anymore yeah a bit magical because you didn't really do anything or fix anything you just you know just stop drinking and that that's all it was but amazing yeah and I really do I mean of course you feel like you can barely get through the day I always I work with a lot of busy women you know a lot of working moms who are Mm. pretty high achieving And they are trying to run a marathon with a ball and chain tied to their ankle and they don't even realize it. So you remove the hangovers and the hours slipping through your fingers and the bad sleep Mm -hmm. and the spiked anxiety. And suddenly they really can accomplish so much with more ease and more stress. 
because they're not tying themselves to this anchor. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And I remember reading a quote somewhere and it was something like wine is the only coping, coping mechanism that makes you less able to cope. Yes. And it's so I love that. It's It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And when you remove the wine or whatever it is that you're drinking, your ability to cope suddenly is there again. Um, And it's surprising just how much wine does not help us cope with anything. Yeah. Yeah. And also the one of the things I like about January and I, I do have women I work with who are in Australia and New Zealand and, and mm. places where it's summer, but, but personally being in the winter, um, I really think of it as cocooning, right? You're, yeah. you're cocooning so that you can, um, you know, become a bl- butterfly in the spring and it's not a bad time to yeah. cuddle up and stay home and go to bed early that is not to say that there are not exciting things and interesting things you can do. Mm. I highly recommend staying away from sort of bars and restaurants where you would always drink in the beginning because it will become so much easier for you the further you get away from alcohol. But in the beginning, you're going to have cravings. You're going to want to drink. And like, why put yourself... Exactly. in that situation yeah but what about yeah going to I joined a gym that had a hot tub and a steam room and had a kids oh. club because I had a two-year-old and an eight-year-old so I used to go there and put them in the kids club and sit in the hot tub sometimes not even exercise sometimes read a book in their cozy leather chairs <laughs> um I would do that that was great in the dark winter I would, you know, my husband would suggest going to a brewery that just opened in our town. And I would be like, oh, yeah, I'm still doing that health challenge where I'm not drinking. How about we go to a coffee shop with live music? And Mm. it took effort to research that. Yeah. Or we went to a bookstore and wandered around and planned our next vacation. Mm. Um, we went to sushi because I was a red wine girl and typically they have horrible red wines and I wasn't into <laughs> sake, but like pick, if you love margaritas, don't go to a Mexican restaurant, yeah. you know, pick something yeah. new and that can be exciting. Oh yeah. Very, very exciting. And it's that association again, isn't it? That actually not drinking is fun. It is exciting because I get to experience all of these new, different, wonderful things that I otherwise would not have, you know, been able to experience because I would have been doing the same old, same old again. Think of it as getting out of a rut. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And on the other side of that, like you said before, January is a great month to stay in. Just perhaps embrace the fact that if we're in the Northern Hemisphere, it is cold and wet and dark and, you know, can be a bit miserable. (laughs) But, But embrace that. Do what you can to use that time, as you said, to go into your little cocoon or your woman cave, whatever you like to call it. 
um yeah. and look after yourself spoil mm-hmm. yourself um and rest and recharge as much yeah. as you can and also I mean I you mentioned you know a treats jar or idea I think it's really helpful to make a list mm. of you know I call them anchor activities but they're activities to do during the time you normally drink which for me was dinner and after dinner um because that's when your willpower is at the lowest on the weekends you know, being a mom with young kids, I always felt like I had nothing for myself. And I knew if I went through the entire day and then it was 6 PM and I had no time, um, I would want to drink, right? Because Mm -hmm. you're like, I deserve something and you do deserve something, Yeah. but planning stuff out and, or making a list like shows you want to watch binging. Something is a legit way (laughs) <laughs> to get through early sobriety, a, bo- a list of books you want to read. I, and I personally, like, I didn't want to read anything self-development. Quitlet was great, but I mm. also wanted novels, just chiclet novels. Yeah. Um, you can also, one of the reasons I like those apps about how much money you spend drinking mm. for me, I saved $550 my first month not drinking. I mean, wow. that's insane. I didn't ingest 40 bottles of wine and it, I'm five, three, I'm, t- you know, mm. short. I can't believe I did that to my body on a regular basis. It also doesn't matter how much you drink. You might have two glasses of wine a night or one or drink on the weekends. Um, and still, you know, feel not great about your drinking, it's still hitting your anxiety, it's still making you sleep badly. Mm. But take that money and invest it in things that bring you joy without alcohol. So Mm. $550, I could afford to join a really nice gym, Mm. which I wasn't a member of before, I um, could get pedicures or massages weekly, and I could hire babysitters to take care of the kids during that time. That's a lot of benefit. That felt like Mm self-care more than drinking. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Such positivity, bringing positivity to the experience um, and clarifying that we're not missing out on anything. In fact, we're gaining so much. We really are. Yeah. And you deserve it, right? Be yeah. like, yeah, I deserve this and yeah. I deserve to take care of myself. And I always think that by, you know, I used to be like, wine is my one reward, the one thing I have. And as I got away from it, I was like, God, I am settling for the dregs of the coffee. Like that is, you know, my, I had my husband on the podcast and of course I never talked to him about any of this. I desperately did not want him to know I was worried about my drinking because I didn't want to stop and I didn't want him watching me. And like every time I would, you know, fall asleep on the couch, be like, oh, you know, more than he was, I didn't want to bring attention to it. But afterwards I talked to him. Uh, on my show, I interviewed him and was like, 
you know, here's how I felt. Like I wrote, you know, I felt, you know, doomed. I felt mad at myself. I felt defensive. I felt, you know, all these things. And he was like, wow, tell her what she's won for her favorite thing. Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. that's pretty great reward for <laughs> what you thought was your reward. And it's true. It is so true. So true. Oh, I love that. Okay, Casey, just before we go then, what would be your one final tip to get through dry January feeling good about it? Yeah. I would say don't be quiet about the fact you're doing it. Tell Mm -hmm. people because dry January is a time that is no longer a thing that nobody knows about. Like I said, it's in every story. So be like, my new year's resolution is I'm doing dry January. That way you can celebrate all the days. No one's pressuring you to drink. Mm -hmm. Now at the end of dry January, I highly recommend just saying, wow, I feel so much better. I think I'm going to try February too, right? I'm going to extend it because I'm Mm. sleeping better and I'm finally getting to yoga on Saturdays or whatever. Mm. So I would say, don't be ashamed of it. Mm. Be positive. People will play off you. Yeah. I would say your beverage of choice, the thing for me, it was red wine, but any wine, Mm. I needed it not to be in the house. I, you know, for me, it was like, trying not to eat sugar and having a birthday cake on the counter with like three slices taken like it, this was not going to work. So I asked my husband to not have any wine in the house. Mm. Um, He drank beer. That was never my jam. So, you know, if you can get rid of all alcohol, great. If you can get your partner or your best friend to do it with you even better, but at Mm. the very least don't make it harder for yourself by trying to, you're going to have a bad day. You're going to want to drink. And the third thing is I love non-alcoholic beverages. Um, Athletic Brewing Company is my absolute favorite and a beer did not exist when I quit drinking, but I'm the biggest fan. Now there are, you know, I love going, if I go out to a restaurant, which you don't need to do in early sobriety, but um, non-alcoholic mojitos, Mm incredible so also think of it as I'm gonna try stuff that I never tried before you know yeah absolutely find ways to make it feel good find ways to uh, make it enjoyable and fun and exciting as much as you can and also put yourself first I think that's oh yes behind all yes I always think if something is not going to be fun, if you're not drinking, maybe it's just not fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you are a grown up and I am a big fan of white lies. I just am mm. um, <laughs> in early sobriety, meaning make an excuse not to go. And a lot of times that easily can be, oh, I'm not feeling 100%. I don't mm. feel great. I, yeah. And the truth is, you don't feel great because mm. you don't want to go to this thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and finally, Casey, where can we find you? Where can we learn more about what you do? Where could we get support from you if we want it? 
Yeah. Thank you. Um, I have a podcast. It's called the Hello Someday podcast for sober, curious women. And um, in that, I have 200 episodes where we cover everything from, you know, how to get through your first 30 days, alcohol-free ways, all everything you need to know about tons of ideas for sober treats, um, questions to ask yourself about your drinking, but also things that all women deal with that are triggers to drink. So we talk about anxiety and perfectionism and being a woman working in a boozy world and Mm. parenting kids, young kids and teenagers, you know, so lots of episodes on topics that if they apply to you, you can decide to dive into. I've had experts on divorce and alcohol, but also long-term marriages and alcohol and dating and alcohol and how to do all Mm. of that alcohol free. So you can kind of scan and see what appeals to you. My website is hellosomedaycoaching.com. And on there, I've got a free 30 tips for your first month alcohol free. So if you're in dry January, it's great to just get that sent to you and scan it. You'll get something good out of it. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Casey. This has been so inspiring and uplifting. And if you are doing dry January, do let us know. You can email me or Casey. I'll put all the details in and let us know how you're getting on and which of Casey's wonderful tips have you enjoyed the most and they're all helping the most. So we'd really appreciate that. Yeah. And I love meeting you, Gail. I love this Sober Bliss podcast and (laughs) meeting other women who are on the alcohol free path and if they are podcasters and coaches even better Mm, yeah thanks Casey thanks it's been so good I really appreciate you today thank you